Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. And a moral lesson is told at the end of each episode. One notable episode is one called The Price, in which a boy buys a drug called Spin. He was smoking that Spin. It's Wes. Becomes addicted to it. And dies of an overdose. We need oh, no. more cartoons like that these days for these badass. And Walker. Will these kids die of drugs? Yes, so they Sounds can learn their lesson visual. and know not to do it. If somebody fictional dies, they'll learn not to do it in okay. non-fiction. You know what I'm saying? And for that it. reason, Marshall Bravestar, Tex-Tex, New Texas is straight. Fire! I had to ask him figure Bravestar, but my mom wouldn't let me get Tex-Tex. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Oh, come on, Mom. Why didn't you do that? You said it was too demonic. Well, maybe it's because a kid died of drugs. On the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7, WFMZ, FNZ, helping you get through the week. As I said, it is hump day. Keep the text coming, 704-570-9610. Hit those socials, the Twitter and Instagram of WFNZ, the Wes and Walker Twitter page, Wes Bryant underscore 72, at Walker Mail and at HTB underscore Josh on Twitter and Instagram as well. Hit that follow button. Enjoy all the content. Question of the day. You get all that when you follow all of those platforms. And now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right. App State 3-3 three and three through six games for the second straight season. Cade Hensley made a game-winning 24-yard field goal as time expired to help Coastal Carolina get the victory in Boone 27-24 to for Tim Beck's first Sunbelt Conference victory. The Mountaineers' three losses are by combined 12 points, including a double overtime loss at North Carolina and three-point losses to Wyoming and Coastal Carolina. Joey Aguilar completed passes to a season-high 11 receivers, fourth time in his five full games to complete passes to nine or more receivers. He had 305 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. App was four for four in the red zone with three touchdowns and a field goal, and they had 111 rushing yards, which marked a season low, but they played most of the game without the nation's second-leading rusher, Nate Noel, had a one-yard run and a four-yard catch on the first drive before a lower body injury mm. kept him from returning. So, tough loss for the Mountaineers at home. Three and three for the second straight season. What is going on in Boone? What's the state of Whew. the Mountaineers program? Look, I'm just asking App State fans. You can text us if you want to. I want to know how you're feeling. 704-570-9610. That's a rough loss, Wes. At home, I believe now that is the third uh, loss in four games that you've had against a team like Coastal Carolina. And this is what I'm interested in, just like everybody else, I would imagine. Does Sean Clark survive this year? That's a legitimate question because you went six and six last season. App State fans don't take too kindly to that. Their standards are a lot higher than barely being bowl eligible. And so now here you are through the first six games of this season, you're three and three. West. 
Look at the schedule coming up for them. Old Dominion on the road. The only losses they have, even if they have three wins, the only losses are against Power 5 ACC schools and Marshall. Those are the only losses ODU has. They have Southern Miss. That should be an easy win. They're 1-5 as it stands. But the rest of the games, then they have Marshall at home. They have Georgia State on the road. Georgia State's 4-1. They have James Madison on the road. James Madison, they're 5-0. Then you have Georgia Southern at the end of the year, the rivalry game. You do have them at Kid Brewer Stadium. Georgia Southern's 4-1. West, there's only one other school that you have except for, well, you have Old Dominion and Southern Miss. Those are the only schools that you have that are worse than 4-1, and one, and Old Dominion's only losses are to good teams or teams that are above them in level of play. And they only lost to Wake Forest by Mitch Griffiths coming back and beating them by a field goal. It doesn't look good. So, for me, if you get to 500 one more year, I, I think that's the mark because you will have beaten some good football teams you hold on to Sean Clark one more season. I know how it sounds. I think you hold on to him one more season. See if he can get out of it the year after that. But then it's do or die time then. If you don't get to 500, you don't get to a bowl eligible season, then I think he might get the ax. But pressure's on after that loss. It was a heartbreaker. Last second field goal for them. Big play turned into a fumble. It was a backbreaker of a game for them. But if you don't get bowl eligible, Wes, that might be the undoing of him. No doubt. And uh, I would agree with you. I think you give him one more year. This team is playing the definition of 500 football. You get a win, you get a loss. You get a win, you get a loss. That's how their season has been going. So a roller coaster for their fans so far. Like you said, very tough schedule down the stretch. I don't know if the 500 football will continue. They're going to have to pick it up, man, because law averages, you're playing against teams that are better than you in record and on paper right now. So things could start to go downhill. If the record finishes below 500, do you think it's a done deal? That's what I don't done deal feels strong, but man, that that's what I'm looking for. If you're, if you're below 500, that might be the reason to go away from Sean Clark. And man, you think about how bad these losses have been for app state. Not one of these losses is anything short of crazy painful North Carolina overtime loss against a school like that. Then you have Wyoming, where we can remember they were up. Wyoming had a miraculous finish to that game in order to get that win in, uh, I believe, Laramie. And then you're talking about Coastal with the last second field goal against a team that has become somewhat of a rival in the last four years. Painful, painful losses for App State. Yeah, and he's got something there in Joey Aguilar. So you've got the quarterbacks. I guess that's a starting block for you. So we'll see what they can do down the stretch with some very, very tough games. We're certainly going to have our eyes on the Mountaineers. NC State and Duke is another game we're going to have our eyes on and is Duke in for a rude awakening with that new NC State offense when you look at it the overall series dates back to 1924 but NC State has been 15 and 3 versus Duke since 1990 state when you look at that offense keep talking about him Casey Concepcion he accounts for 28% of the Wolfpack's offense uh well their receptions I should say 31 out of 111 MJ Morris threw for 265 yards and four touchdowns last week. State went over 40-plus points. And so now when you look at Morris, there were some turnovers there. There were some things that could be a little bit discouraging, but he shook those off, came back, had a big game. And so you look at this Duke defense and how dominant they've been, and this is certainly going to be a litmus test for MJ Morris and the crew as far as what they can do. 
because this Duke football team in five games, they've allowed only seven scores in 13 offensive red zone possessions. That's second in the country. They're first in the ACC and fourth nationally in scoring defense, only allowing 11.2 points per game. They've relinquished just 56 points on the year and only four rushing touchdowns. And lastly, they rank third in the ACC and 18th nationally in total defense, allowing just under 300 yards per game. So if NC State's new offense is supposed to be the real deal, and I know Marshall was a good test as well, which should bode well for State fans coming into this game. But, boy, do they have a test coming with the Duke Blue Devils and this defense that they have. I'm, I'm interested in how we view the coaching decision to start Brennan Armstrong at the beginning of the year once we get to the end of the season. Yes. Because, to me, I'm almost teetering on the side of good coaching because you, you bring in Brennan Armstrong. Brennan Armstrong, two years ago at Virginia, had a case to where it was worth seeing if you could resurrect that. You brought in the offensive coordinator that had all that success with Brennan Armstrong. You play really the first quarter of the season a little bit more. You see if you can win some games. And the only one that you should have won or had a case of winning that you lost was Louisville. 13 to 10, got to put more points on the board. So that one's bad. But before you get to Duke, who has a very good defense, then you name MJ Morris the starter. You allow him to go against Marshall, a good football team, not power five. So just talent wise, you're going to be able to compete with them, even if they are an undefeated squad coming in. I really like their game plan of we're going to see what Brandon Armstrong can do in these first five games. If it's not working, we're going to make the change against Marshall. And I don't know if that was as premeditated as I'm making it out to be, mm-hmm. but I do like giving MJ Morris his first start against Marshall rather than Duke. Because odds are, Brennan Armstrong might be able to put up a decent amount of points against Marshall, too. Maybe I'm wrong on that. MJ looked really good after he got over the couple of interceptions. But I, I do think this is a sign of good coaching, to be honest with you. it I understand wanting to start MJ at the beginning. I think it was worth seeing if you could resurrect Brennan Armstrong from two years ago. You don't. You move on. You don't let it simmer. And now you're going against Duke with MJ Morris having a game under his belt. Well, and also, too, it was desperation. They knew if they did not give MJ Morris a chance that there was a good chance that he was going to be gone elsewhere and could potentially transfer during the season. We've seen that a lot, and I don't know for a fact that that was MJ Morris's plan. But we do know we see kids a lot of times when things aren't going the way they want during the season, they'll just up and quit the team and leave and go somewhere else during the year. So I felt like they also knew that it was desperation time to make a move uh, with MJ Morris. And so uh, moving on to the Clemson Tigers, when you look at an article from the Greenville News, and they were talking about three concerns Clemson football uh, must address during their bye week. And they mentioned the run game and how Dabo preseason had said that he thought that he could have two 1,000-yard backs and Phil Moffat and Will Shipley. And Shipley's kind of getting closer there. He's a shade under 500 yards. And then Moffa, he's done well when he's gotten in the game. Talked about their kicking issues as well and special teams. So when you look at this Clemson team coming off a 17-12 victory versus Wake Forest, up next out of the bye week, they've got Miami. We'll see what Miami's got uh, after that devastating loss they had. But they've got Carolina on Saturday. Is Duke or is Clemson done losing for the season? Oh, no, I don't think so. I think there's too many tough games for them. To say, I mean, that that'd be a little frustrating, right, if – if you win the rest of your games, you lost to Duke and you lost to Florida State, and then you show in the back half that you are ready to go against these other pretty tough opponents, 
that'd be frustrating because then you would look at it as a college football playoff wasted opportunity. Of course, you're going to take it if you're a Clemson fan, but Miami on the road after they have this game against North Carolina because Clemson's on the bye this week, for anybody that doesn't know, on the road against State, but then home against Notre Dame. You do have a home game against North Carolina. Then you're playing in Columbia to end the season. I just think there are too many hurdles to clear to say that they're going to finish the season undefeated. And even... If you were starting to get a little more confident in that offense, they put up 17 against Wake Forest. They really could have had another statement win after they looked good against Syracuse. The offense was performing well enough against Florida State. I thought, hey, another 30-point output against Wake Forest, and you're hitting the ground running, going into the bye with Miami on the other side. But you only put up 17. Disappointing performance for them after they had a couple games. Well, the thing I will say, though, is Obviously, a football season is a marathon, and I feel like Clemson, the last two weeks, they've shown you different ways that they can win. They went up and beat Syracuse, K-Club, Nick throws for 263 yards, got some touchdowns. The offense looked pretty good. The defense looked certainly uh, dynamic. Then against Wake Forest, they went an ugly football game at home uh, against a Wake Forest defense that was very determined. So I think, man, call me crazy, I think they've got a chance uh, to run the table, in my opinion, because Miami, you don't know. Uh, what you have from them. NC State, we'll see again. They got a tough test coming with Duke. Notre Dame, I feel like they're a little bit fluky as far as offensively. Georgia Tech, we know it's feisty. Carolina's going to be a big test for them as well, but they get them at home. And then South Carolina as well. And South Carolina's a very one-dimensional team, even though preseason I predicted for them to beat Clemson again. But these are all games that Clemson could win. So I'm not going to rule them out, but they certainly have some things that they need to clean up, and uh, that's for sure. But when we come back on the Weston Walker Show, we're going to enter into Panthers talk once again, value trackers, which guys values are increasing decreasing or staying the same when you talk about some of the big dogs on this squad that and more on the weston walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. you for joining us on Wesson Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ talking a little college football. Thanks to Hunter Bailey speaking a little bit about the Charlotte 49ers, their game against Navy this weekend. And then after that, it's ECU on the road. 
49er fans, they're geeked for that one. I believe ECU is as well. So that'll be a fun one we'll check in on next week. Gotta love the in-state rivalry. 100%. We will put that interview on our website, too, if you want to go check it out again. WFNZ.com. It's already up there, man. What do you think? We're going to put it up there. It's already up there. The dynamic producer that is Fitty, he already has the interview up on the website. Don't check it out now. In fact, don't even check it out from 3 to 6. Just listen to it even after that. You know, continue to listen to live radio on sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ, and do that until 7 p.m. And and then even listen to Adam Gold. And we got a lot of local programming on this station, man. Love to see it. Got the numbers out there. They were tweeted a couple days ago. That was fun. Pat's on the back for everybody. Thank you, Fitty. With you calling yourself the station, do you take sole responsibility of those ratings being so good? Because I figured that would be something you might do, not only in the public sphere, but maybe even the private sphere as well. I'm not gonna lie when uh, when when I got <laughs> tweeted at with the, with with our writing book. Oh, and you I, did tell me about it. I yeah. was the I was the only uh, you know producer to get that title. I was like, see, <laughs> even they know. But no, nah, man, it's uh, it's pretty humbling to see the support we've gotten, considering um, our teams not very good. Yeah, you told me to quit sports. <laughs> and, and people are still coming to listen to us. So uh, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching this station grow over the last year and a half or so. We love you guys. I mean it. I we actually, do. I have legitimate love for everybody that is listening right now. Even if you say mean things to us every once in a while on the text line. <laughs> Even if you say those things. Sometimes that happens in a relationship. And this is the type of a relationship we're in right now. And I appreciate everyone for being in this relationship with me. That got weird and soft. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Let's talk a little bit about the value tracker for this Carolina Panthers team. It comes up because Joe Person joined us the other day. He discussed the likelihood that Brian Burns could be traded this offseason or even this regular year now. Like Here we are with the trade deadline coming up in a few weeks. And is Brian Burns somebody that after they decided not to trade him for two first-round picks and a third to the Rams? That is confirmed. That was a legitimate offer that the Panthers turned down because you thought Brian Burns was going to be a part of this organization for years to come. So they turned down that package. Now here we are, still without a deal. The Panthers are struggling. They're 0-5. The offense looks horrible. We don't have a lot of talent surrounding your number one overall pick. So now the question that continues to gain traction every single week, do you trade Brian Burns for pieces that help Bryce Young? Here's what Joe Person had to say about that very question a couple weeks ago. I mean, I think there's a chance. The problem is now is by holding on to him as long as you have and not getting a deal done, the return is going to be much less than what the, the Rams offered them last year, which was two first and a third, which was a huge haul. And I, I remember people in the organization telling me that, listen, it's easier to replace. It's right after Christian McCaffrey, by the way. So I think it was like, boy, do we really want to let our best player on each side of the ball go? It's a lot of draft compensation you turned down. That it is. We discussed it, too. I, I understood each side. If you were going to keep Brian Burns for the long term, I mean, you don't have to worry about your star edge rusher anymore. Don't have to do it. You pay him a lot of money. There's been that debate on how much money he should be getting. But you pay him a lot of money, you move on, you figure out how to build your team elsewhere. But if you did not have Brian Burns, then you would have two first-round picks and a third to help you out doing it. Like, even a third on that. A third-round pick? That guy's starting. That guy certainly has every opportunity to start for you. 
and you turned it down. So now as we talk about the value, Wes, how far does the value drop for Brian Burns based on what you've seen the first five games and comparing it to what they could have gotten last year? How far has his value dropped? Well, when I was just listening to him say that, and I was just like, man, you think about too, especially with this draft coming with the quarterbacks that are there, uh, what you could have potentially done with some of that extra capital that you could have gotten, man. And so that's why. But also at the same time, I said I felt, as you said, you could look at both sides of the debate. Pass rushers don't necessarily grow on trees. So this is a position that if you let them go, you're going to have to replace it. And are you going to be able to replace it with a guy as good or better than him? And that's tough to say. That's why the draft is such a crapshoot. But when you look at Burns' value, I said from the beginning, I felt he should have set out until he got a contract. Now that he's come back and played, yes, the numbers do look uh, solid on the surface when you talk four sacks, five tackles for loss. That's kind of a pace you want him to be on. But there are some games he hasn't registered any sacks, and it's hard to get a sack every game. But still, from an analytical standpoint, too, you look at it and 69.7 grade for the season, which is up five points from last year but still a grade that's not necessarily in line with the guy that you would want to pay borderline second-tier quarterback money because we talked about once Bosa got his deal that Brian Burns' deal was going to have a three in front of it. So if I was to choose whether I think his value has increased or decreased, I would say at this point it's decreased because of the team's record and because we talked about this yesterday in here during the break. I said I feel like that you don't feel Brian Burns in the games like you do some of the other guys. Like we just talked about the guy they just got done playing. Aiden Hutchinson, you felt his presence the entire game. You saw him up in the top right of your screen giving Taylor Moten work every play, whether it was a sack or a pressure, whatever the case may be. He only had one sack and it took him five seconds to get it, but he still got one, got the interception, but it was just it's not just about those tangible stats. It's every play. Are you just making it hard as hell? Are you being a menace every play? Are you bothering the quarterback? Are guys having to make sure of where you're at? And you don't necessarily get that feeling with Burns. And so I would say at this point, I felt the values decreased. You still would pay him handsomely. But I don't know if he can go in there and try to command what I thought he was going to be able to get before all of this began. Well, the first game against Atlanta, you thought, all right, so now he's worth four because of how crazy (laughs) he was. I know people wanted to point out he wasn't good in the second half. I I do think that gets overstated because it's like, okay, would he just be better off splitting the two sacks that he was credited with if he has two in the first half? Are we looking at that differently than if you had one in the first half and one in the second? I just I feel like that gets overstated at times. He didn't do anything in the second half. But when you look at not having any sacks against New Orleans, he has a sack a game going back to Seattle, Minnesota, then this past weekend against Detroit. But you are right. I mean, Brian has been a lot quieter in the last couple of games, even especially. I thought he was pretty good against Seattle. Thought he provided some pressure, but not nearly as much against Minnesota and Detroit. I think the Rams were so desperate to compete last year that even last season, they weren't going to get a haul like that. Remember, there were talks about Sean McVay retiring. There were talks about Aaron Donald playing his last season. Matthew Stafford was hurt. This was a team that was trying to hold on for dear life. They have a surprising start to this season. Matthew Stafford looks healthy, but it didn't seem like they were operating like that last year. 
So it felt like that was their all-in move. Hey, we're going to get a star edge rusher. We're going to try to squeeze the life out of this team as much as possible. And now, you know, they just kind of fall back into some good luck with Puka Nakua in the fifth round. They weren't going to get that from anywhere else. I know Philadelphia was rumoredly interested in them. They weren't giving up with the Rams. We're going to give up. Even still, though, it was like, what, a first and a second, something like that. You can still get a good haul for Brian Burns. You can still get a good enough haul to justify trading him in order to put enough help around Bryce Young. If Bryce, or excuse me, if Brian is frustrated with the way the team is headed after dealing with nothing but losing seasons time and time again, and it's one of those, you shake hands, and then you send off each other to a different realm, right? You go, Brian Burns goes to Philadelphia. Okay, thanks for playing. You know, we appreciate all your hard work with this organization. And Brian Burns, he bids you adieu. And hopefully they can be successful. But I wonder if that's like a first and a second, something like that. But you're not going to get two first and a third again. No, you're not going to get that because teams know that you're desperate at this point. I think, too, one of the biggest things that's hurting Brian's value is the record. They haven't won anything. And so it's like, well, what are we winning with you here? And when you look at it as well, if the Panthers had had a couple more wins or if they had a winning record – and you have scenarios where you're up in games and then Burns just takes over and is getting pressure after pressure and hitting the quarterback and getting impactful sacks, then I think it's like, okay, man, yeah, this guy is definitely dominating. But the fact that they're losing in the manner that they are, the Panthers can choose to look at it and be like, well, hell, we're not winning anything with you here, so uh, where's the real value? What you got, Fiddy? I, I think – not trading Burns, as much as anything Scott Fitter hasn't gotten right, might be the most damning thing when, if, if he were to lose his job. Because if you trade Brian Burns away last year and you get the draft cattle that you're talking about, let's say you still move up to get uh, Bryce Young in the draft. You still probably have a first-round pick in this, in, this, in this past draft with him, or at least this year, to go get the type of wide receiver help that he needs around him. You could have been able to be in a position to get, you know, a JSN who's with Seattle, maybe a Jordan Addison who thinks about to flourish in Minnesota with Justin Jefferson on IR. I think that's going to be the thing. Look, that was a hindsight 2020 thing because I don't think we knew in October when they didn't trade Brian Burns why they were going to trade up to get the number one pick. But looking back, looking at it now, if you trade away Burns, you get all that capital you would have been better suited to help your rookie quarterback last year as opposed to waiting to I know when five starts saying we didn't do enough. Let's go to a couple questions on the text line. Steve Carolina Cat did mention, remember the two first that the Rams were offering were in 2024 and 25. That wasn't helping on the draft that was upcoming at that point. So that is important to note. It would still be nice to have multiple first round picks, but good point from Steve Carolina Cat. Lee from Rock Barn says, do you think we'll still get a first with a Bryce Young or with the Brian Burns trade? Absolutely. Yeah, I think so too. You're not trading him for anything less than a first round pick. Like at some point, what, what you're going to trade him for a second. Cause now that's really going to, nah, if you're doing anything other than a first, and I'm still trying to get two picks out of this, two pretty high ones, you're not going to get the Rams package anymore. But if you offer me a first and a third, yeah, it sucks to be without the extra first that the Rams offered you, but a first and a third is still a nice haul. Very nice. So you're doing nothing. You are not getting rid of Brian Burns for anything less than a first-round pick and something else attached to it. I think the bigger question is, is are you comfortable with Scott Fitterer making the trade with it? At least, in our opinion, his job status is uncertain going into next year. The, the, the fine part is, 
He's okay getting the picks. <laughs> it's what he does with it's them. It's what he does with them. <laughs> is he going to send them out for players that don't help like C.J. Henderson? Or is he going to use them on players that don't help? And, I mean, the draft history speaks for itself at this point. But he's good. The Chris McCaffrey trade, people have tried to do hindsight on that. You got a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, I know you didn't get it first, but you got a lot. San Francisco gave up a decent amount of compensation, and they were able to use some of that to go get Bryce Young. You know, they were able to use that and have something left over. Think about how bad it would be if you didn't have some of these draft picks. Like I know Chris McCaffrey's doing a great job with San Fran. It hurts. Totally get that. But he's playing with an offense that has a very good offensive line a mastermind, especially in the run game with Kyle Shanahan, who's using him perfectly. Chris McCaffrey had been hurt a couple of years with Carol. I don't mind trading Chris McCaffrey. That's why I never viewed it as a complete rebuild once they did it. But I don't mind Scott Fitterer making the trade for draft compensation. You just don't trust what he does with once he gets the draft compensation. No, you don't, especially, I mean, this draft class is coming up. Looks like it's only going to be a one-man class as far as when you talk about true contributors. Uh, from this class. So it's going to be an interesting scenario to see what they decide to do with Burns. Uh, it's a wonder, do they you know, want him to, to ball out so that they can get more for him? But I think some tough decisions are certainly coming down the pike for this franchise. So Brian Burns could be a guy that you trade. Man, this this is the difference between a full rebuild. I always hate when we get into the distinction between rebuild, retool. I, okay, I don't know what it is, right? But you're moving on to a different era. Do you want to go complete overhaul mode if you trade Brian Burns? Are you getting rid of Derrick Brown too? Are you holding on to Derrick Brown? Because to me, I I would want to hold on to Derrick Brown. I don't want to send everybody out. We just know Burns is going to get the most compensation in return. Then you can help your number one overall pick in Bryce Young because you've already made your bed. Now you got to lay in it and Bryce is the QB. You would admit a mistake going back after a QB, what, even not even this draft because you don't have a first round pick, but even the next one if it doesn't work out. So I'd still hold on to a Derrick Brown. How do you view the second best defensive player that you have on this roster with apologies to Frankie Luva? I think it's going to come down to what does he want. Uh, when you look on the surface at the statistics and what he's done thus far, 29 tackles, that's a lot of tackles for a big man. One sack, two tackles for loss. Then you go check out the analytics right now. He's sitting at a 74.8. That's down uh, almost 10 points from last season. So that's telling you that some things aren't there. And this is another guy that you don't necessarily feel his presence uh, on the field this season. Like I said, he does come through. He makes tackles. He does make some plays. But it's just not like a guy that's taking over games or controlling the line of scrimmage, which for a big man like that, that's what you want out of him, controlling that line of scrimmage. You're not getting that from him on a down-in, down-out basis, so I think it's going to come down to what does he want. Does he want to be one of the highest-paid interior guys in the league? If that's the case, I don't know that you give him that type of money because he's got more seasons playing uh, you know, average to below-average football than not. I man, I I disagree with you with Brown. Well, I mean, you look at the three grades for his career. He's got a no, 61, 64, and a 74, and then he's got 184. So that's that's two below average seasons. And then right now he's playing 74.8. That's, that's respectable. Oh man, that's that's respectable. But he's not controlling the line of scrimmage though. Man, and, I I know like yeah. So you I, paying him at the top of the market? I'm paying him a lot of money. Hell no. 
<laughs> man, to me, I look, for me, there's got to be more to it than just looking up PFF grades, though, and saying, this grade's good, this grade's respectable, this grade's great. I gave you other stuff. Great. I said he doesn't control the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I don't. I think when you're talking about an odd man front, not being able to stop the run is more so based off of scheme, and Averro talks about that. And you even talk about his pass rush grade from a defensive tackle standpoint. The pass rush grade is pretty good from even this season and even last year. And here we are talking about more seasons than not. Man, if we were to hold him. He got a 69. Yeah, so, that's but again, nice, that's, But that's PFF grades like, I got you. It seems like you're putting so much stock into I do because decisions. it gives me the context. Yeah, but I'm not going to pay him at the top of the market, though, if you're not playing top of the, if you're not playing top of the market football. No, and I, and I got you. I just, it's going to be hard to argue PFF grades. Like, I got you. Like, do you this is what you dictate, what you want to do investing in the future. Right, but like when I, you watch the games, do you feel Derek Brown on the field? I honestly think I do, yes. And I'm with you on Brian Burns. I think he's been pretty quiet the last two games. Yeah. But I, Derek Brown, yeah, man, I think he's throwing dudes to the side. Yeah. And I think when you're talking about offensive line scheme, when you're ta- or defensive line scheme, you got Derek Brown, and then who are the other run stoppers? I don't. There's not another player that you feel great about stopping the run, so it's only Derek, and he was doing it once you had a four-man front last year. And when you hold his first and second year against him, man, guys learn. Guys grow. I, like, you're right. We could... I I have to imagine. So do you think the scheme has made him kind of step back a little bit? I think the scheme holds him back from being a dominant run stopper. Okay. Because we view him as being That's fair. We view him as being on the outside of an odd man front anyway. Mhm. And so when we talk about last year, man, if you go back to every NFL player's career and you hold the rookie stats, it's going to bring their averages down because it's their first year in the league. And Derrick Brown, it took a little longer to cook than we wanted. When you get a healthy scratch the second season, no doubt we were flirting with bust. But, man, he was good last season. And I still feel like this is a guy that you do feel a little bit more than what you – like, we just disagree on that. Okay. And so with Derrick Brown, you trade Brian Burns and you trade Derrick Brown, good luck finding two other guys like that immediately. That's going to hurt your defense. Well, yeah, and, and I'm just saying, too, if he, if he wants a reasonable salary, I'm with that. But I'm just saying, if he wants top of the market, if he comes stepping in the office and he wants close to what Dexter Lawrence got, like, no. That's that's all I'm saying. If he wants something that's that's respectable, yeah, I could I could necessarily see that. And he's got plenty of time to change that narrative for me as well. I'll mm-hmm. say that. He's got plenty of time to do that. But as far as just right now, I've got more data that says I shouldn't pay him at the top of the market than data that says I should. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. What was the slam for? You want to get to your fitty flash here? No, I need to have the David <laughs> Fisdale take that for data drop for whenever Wes hits the numbers. So pr- producer head was going off back here. Yeah, David F- Fisdale is one of one the best. Of the- one of the best rants Look of all time. Look at my guy, always thinking. It's a great radio drop. Fizdale is fantastic. Let's move on. Wes's ACC QB Power Rankings. It's coming up next. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. 
Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. wrote in on the text line i can't wait until friday when walker has Derek brown ranked higher than tua on the top 10 list i told bagel guy i'm putting taylor moten over tua i'm just letting y'all know right now that is sick <laughs> getting a rise out of the text line out of fitty out of west bryant can't wait to see those pff scores I know, that's your, I know that's your mo man so it doesn't surprise me putting taylor moten up yeah over over a quarterback mm-hmm I wouldn't have done it with Jared Goff. Oh, you wouldn't? No. I would put Jared Goff above him. And I'm not going to do it for Tua. <laughs> Tua's playing well. I want to, just to see what kind of reaction I would get from everybody. Well, we know now at this point it's a troll, so we're just going to uh-huh. be like, oh, okay. No, you say that, but I still trigger y'all. I still get a little trigger out of <laughs> yeah, y'all. Yeah, it'll be more of a, he really did it. It'll be like, he really did it. Fiddy is going to be in the background. He's not going to have his mic on. Oh, his voice gonna is going. Like, oh, my God. It's, he's throwing from 5,000 yards. <laughs> hey, voice is going to get so high pitched. It's going to be dogs waiting outside the studio for him. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm like, don't get mad at me, but I got Taylor Moten eight. He gave up seven pressures to Aiden Hutchinson. <laughs> oh, now what you should do. You ever showed up with a Chandler Savala in the top 10? Yes. That would be it. Yeah. No, I can't make that. I <laughs> Let's not get too crazy, okay? <laughs> I can't not do that whatsoever. All right, enough of the top ten. I want to get to the top five. It's a collegiate-based top five. It is time, as we do every Wednesday, Wes's ACC QB power rankings. He told us, Fitty, that we got a lot of movement in the top five this week. Yep. Number five. Most Who, movement so far. Who's at the bottom of the top five totem pole here? All Wes? right, well, as I always started out, you can check out my video for this on the ACCDN on all platforms. The ACCDN, not the ACC Network, the Linear Network with ESPN. All right, at number five, welcome back, Haynes King from Georgia Tech. The uh, Yellow Jackets are two and one in conference play. But he's tied for 10th in all of college football and points responsible for. Show big-time clutch gene in the win over Miami. So we got Haynes King holding it down at number five. All right, Georgia Tech represented on this list. Haynes King after that big old win. Deservedly in the top five. Who's number four? Number four, taking a little bit of a tumble, is Tyler Van Dyke out of Miami. He's already surpassed last season's touchdown pass total, uh, but he's still the ACC's most efficient passer. Got that big game coming with Drake May in North Carolina on Saturday, but you can't go one touchdown, three picks, and get upset uh, as a top 20 team on your home turf, and you played a big part in it and think you're going to stay up in the upper echelon. And- can we call him Tyler Van Dimes anymore? Uh, yeah, you still can. I mean, one bad game, but, you know, he's been on fire this season. But Saturday, right. now, after Saturday, mm-hmm. you might be like Tyler Van God. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we don't finish that sentence. Yeah. Number three on the list. Who you got, Wes? Number three, moving on up, Jack Plummer out of Louisville. Get this, fellas. 
Zach Plummer shares the FBS lead. He's got three passes of over 60-plus yards. He's got three passes of over 70-plus yards. And he's also the league's leader in yards per attempt, man. So this guy, he is not dinking and dunking. I've said it before. He is throwing that thing down the field. Louisville got the huge win over Notre Dame. Stats weren't gaudy in that matchup, but he played a nice, efficient game, good enough to help them get the win. That backfield is impressive for Louisville. Oh, man, Jawad Jordan, big play waiting to happen. Shout out to my old running back that uh, I helped play a part in him becoming Wake Forest all-time leader. Russia Chris Barclay, the running back coach at Louisville. Man, I really wish that we got PFF grades back when you were playing because I would go. Oh, yeah, go, I, would see, mine. I would see just how much you helped see Chris me get Barclay. get a 53? <laughs> no, you'd get an 80? You'd be out Maybe. here better than Derek Brown. It'd be, be more <laughs> better than respectable. Hopefully. Better than respectable. Top two, who comes in second? Well, moving on up, Drake May from North Are Carolina. Are you kidding me? Is at number two. He's fourth in the nation in passing yards per game, third in the ACC in pass efficiency rating. Went off against Syracuse. That was the first real Drake May game, in my opinion, the type of games that I expect to see from him week in and week out. Is that nice enough for Carolina fans? I mean, good oh, Lord. Anytime I one. say something detracting one of your guys, I'm hating I'm saying this is the Drake man that I expected to see all year long. What I saw now, the Minnesota game, he played well, too. But this was the first gaudy stat, just lighting people up type of game. He threw for over 400 yards against Minnesota. He threw with a he threw a left-handed touchdown against Pittsburgh <laughs> on the road, a place they hadn't won. Oh, come under, on. Pitt is un, trash. Under Mac Brown. Pitt is trash. And then on Saturday, on, on the same field where he had the audacity to say that Garrett Schrader, you thought was going to go into Drake May's house uh-huh. and make throws and compete with Drake May. I did. He couldn't even hold Drake May's jock strap. Okay. And you're telling me that he's the second best quarterback in the conference. Like, dude, Jordan Travis has been sensational. Uh-huh. But I think Drake May reminded everybody on Saturday when it comes to the ACC, uh-huh. he is that guy. Well, coming into last week, he had five touchdowns, oh, the four I, interceptions. I don't get. I'll go. And and what about he the has Russian not touchdowns? beaten a ranked team yet. That's not his fault. How is that his fault that the teams that he has played has sucked? Jordan Travis has played really great football, and he's beaten ranked teams. He played LSU's defense. That gave up 55 points okay, to Okay, but it was the first game of the Missouri. season. It was the first game of the year, and it was the top five team at that time. He went into Death Valley and won as no, well. It was – it was okay. But you, you guys might not. You, you – you can sell me on what he did against Clemson, but you cannot use LSU as a barometer when LSU's defense, like Drake May would put 45 up on LSU, no problem. The win has been diminished, but at that time, he had beaten a top five team and was a catalyst in said victory. That matters. Okay. So that enters into our number one guy. That <laughs> enters into our number one guy, Jordan Travis. Very modest stats against Virginia Tech. And I did almost move him down, but I said he hasn't done anything to be moved from his perch. 170 passing yards, two touchdowns versus Virginia Tech. He's got an active streak of 132 passes without an interception as well. So, hey, man, you know, you come out this week, Drake made lights up Miami, kills it. He might surpass uh, Jordan Travis right now, but Travis has got the best resume of all the quarterbacks when you talk about wins, and he's playing great football statistically. I don't hate it. I'd have Drake May number one, but I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to play any sound bites that... Poisonous! Not anything like that. No, yeah. stop, LaGreca. You get out of here. Nobody is ass here on Wesson Walker. Yeah. 
Drake May second, Jordan Travis number one. That completes Wes Bryant's ACC power rankings. We'll move on. We'll go to Josh Fitty Marlowe again. It's time for the live wire on the other side of the break. Also stick live around. Why connect at two twenty? Stephen Holder, NFL analyst, NFL writer, I should say, for ESPN, formerly of the Colts. He had a tweet thread that went viral yesterday about the clip of Frank Reich talking about how involved David Tepper is. He wants to clarify a few things. So Stephen Holder going to be joining us at 220. That should be a fun conversation on the Wesson Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.